From the Dice Abide Live studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Thank you, Jay. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam, often called the Dice Abide, but you can call me Ishmael. <laughs> and I'm John, a.k.a. Wise Kensai. Today, we're joined <laughs> by the wonderful, the one and only, Clint. Hey! I'm Yay. the only Clint in existence. There's, there's no Clint. others. Yes, yes. That you have Clint. killed them all. You are Highlander Clint. Clint. There, was a, there was a more secret Jeff battle for Clint's. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That's 100% what happened. ITS pseudonymster, or as now I will forever refer to him as the Derp Knight. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That photo I, exists. I love that photo. It is everything to me. Um, <laughs> so, gentlemen, what do you... What are you drinking tonight, Clint? I, like the five-year-old that I am, am drinking some uh, vanilla Coke. I think that was the same thing you had last time. I think it was. It's pretty common. It's pretty common for me. <laughs> so, Clint, do you prefer playing <gasps> vanilla or sectorials? Ooh. It depends on the faction, but uh, <laughs> Toha, I get both, right? That's very true. That's very true. That's the both worlds. John, how about you? Uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot. With gin in it? That no, was, just, just tea today. Just tea. Just, just tea. tea. Just straight tea. Getting my Jean-Luc Picard right. on. <laughs> well, I am having Eau Brune, a Freem barrel-aged ale. That's a good that one. I've been, yeah, I've been, been ha saving for a while, and thought tonight was the night. Let's get a little drunk. <laughs> You're gonna get a little drunk. I still gotta run this show. <laughs> That's right. Well, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers. On bye. Oh, that's really freaking good. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Buy more of those. Yeah, they're really holy good. hell. Okay, John, why don't you kick us off with some news? Sure thing. So uh, just a reminder that the month is closing out. We're a little close to halfway done. Um, so go ahead and play a game and use a bunch of coordinated orders and let us know how it went. That's basically the, the whole spiel, right? So use those command tokens to get some efficiency on the tabletop, whether you get moving models around or uh, firing on one target. Uh, this came up as a question for those of you who are relatively new to the game. Uh, you don't need to be in coherency to use coordinated orders. You can have infinite separation between the models that you choose to be a part of it. The only restrictions are they all be the same type. So if they're all irregular, you know, they can do that. If they're all regular, they can all do it. And they have to be part of the same combat group. So that's the, those are the restrictions. So those are things. Um, let's see what else. Uh, you can paint stuff that can go into a coordinated order if those things are heavy infantry and you can send those in by the end of the quarter. Um, yeah, so just a reminder that this is our partnership with the lovely folks over at War Garage. Uh, so if you want some Spanish language, um, Miniature Wargaming content, go head over to wargarage.org, check them out. Um, yep, so you'll get prizes at the end of it. We'll do the same judging as we did last time, talk about uh, the feedback from our wonderful judges. Thank you again, judges. It does take a fair amount of time to look through all the pictures, so we appreciate your time and effort. Uh, I've got some pretty sweet entries that have already come in, so please keep them rolling in. I know a lot of people wait until the last minute. I do too, so uh, don't worry. As long as you get it in uh, on the day, uh, Pacific time, you're good to go. So that's that. Uh, let's see what else. Um, we have a new article posted on Lumbering Sprocket, uh, thanks to the lovely Than. This one's on optional equipment. So those of you heavy uh, who play heavy gear out there and you're looking at gear grinder, and you're like, what is in this options tab? 
Well, if you're wondering, then let you know. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there, a bunch of upgrades and all kinds of other things. You can get shaped explosive. Who doesn't want that? Right? Blow some stuff up. So go check that out. Uh, just a, another plug for our intro to camouflage article over on Infinity the Academy. So thank you to everybody who proofread that. Thank you specifically to Clint because he is on here in the show, in the show and and uh, he definitely contributed a lot Yay. to the feedback and to all the other wonderful people that uh, gave gave feedback. And if you have feedback out there, like I made a mistake or you have some corrections, or you want some, me to add something, please let me know at mailbag at latenightwargames.com. Um, let's see what Never else. Never make mistakes. I, I make mistakes all the time. Um, yeah. So those are, those are, those are things. Uh, what else we got? We got, uh, a well, new, here we go. Yeah. Punga so, miniatures thing. Yep. The, the Punga Patreon with the curse crew. So this is a team that they already had in production and now they've released the pre supported stills out there for everybody to, uh, download and enjoy. And I mean, for like 10 bucks a month, you get such a good deal from Punga. Yes, you do. I am. I am looking forward to Dan, who is in the process of painting or painting printing my uh, my stern buoys dwarf team. Can't <laughs> well, wait. I'll have to face dwarves. my pirates. I've got them. I just need to assemble them, which, as you know, will take forever. So be prepared to wait. Well, this would be a good source for if you get any uh, if you get any mutations on your Skaven. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So that'll be a good time. Keep them all WYSIWYG. I did. And then... I did pick mm-hmm. up the uh, mutations pack for my Skaven, so I should have the ability to do a little bit of that at least. Oh, there you go. You can chop them up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this rat ogre with the big diving bell. And the, and on the, the anchor hand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty great. I'm, I'm always a fan of an anchor appendage. Yes, you are. You are, <laughs> as documented in previous episodes. Right. And then we also have uh, a little bit of heavy gear news. This is exciting. The rulebook has been sent to print, mm-hmm. and now they are working on the Force Compendium. So this is a little sneak peek of the upcoming Force Compendium and some of the changes we'll see. They've uh, addressed... Oh, I forgot to copy the important part of this. So the the uh, Clems and Huns uh, have all come down a bit in points. That Hittite is down to 13 points from, like, 19. And it's because they have normalized their armor. So they're all armor 9 now, which is, you know, it's it is lower than armor 10. But the the point jump from nine to ten was pretty massive. So by bringing them all down to nine, it, a makes them easier to remember. Yep. Like they're all based on the same chassis. And then uh, B has the nice thing of you know turning a clem into from twenty two points or twenty one points um, down to seventeen, which makes it much more reasonable to get on the table. Yep. So these are these so, are the north and south tanks. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of their their basic tanks and a lot. You know, you didn't see them a lot because a clem was at like twenty. It was either twenty one or twenty two points mm-hmm. for a medium auto cannon and a medium anti tank missile. There you go. Which you could get on like a fourteen point grizzly, so it was kind of hard. Like you're you're spending eight more points, over fifty percent more points, on some survivability. So, <laughs> I yeah, Frank like Frank says, I don't know what those are. They don't look like tanks to me because they have like wheels and stuff. What's up with that? Right. All my tanks hovering around. That, that's what a tank normally looks like, John. But they also have two two points higher armor than what you're used to. That's so. also true. <laughs> They're more heavily armored than a Jaguar. So yeah, this is neat. So yeah, with the book being out on, uh, or with the core rules being out and ready for publication, now they're just working on the this force compendium, which will have you know updated rules and unified rules for everything, kind of beyond what we've already seen in the uh, Excel sheet that came out with the rulebook. 
Very cool. So, yeah, there we have the news. It's hobby time! So, I've been building a lot of things, <laughs> to say the least. Yes, you have. These right here are the military orders. The first, uh, the, the nine models in the kit, plus uh, DeFerzen down there in the front. And they go together really well. You know, it's it's uh, just like you expect from Corpus Belly. Models fit nice. They don't really take much work. I don't think I I don't think I pinned anything, which is rare for me. What? Um, who are the who is yeah, this I, man? Right. I thought about going back and pinning the hand on the arm, holding up the 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 banner on the night hospitaler or hospitaler infirmer. Uh, infirmer. There we go. The other doctor. But. It actually, the bottom of the pole has kind of a big flat area that fits into a groove on her cape. So it actually fits pretty nice. I didn't feel the, the urgent need to pin it, which is rare. That's a pretty big deal. That oh, means I might actually assemble I take these. that back. Yeah, we know. I take that back. I totally pinned her sword arm. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime there's an arm weird. pointed out with a sword, it's yeah. going to get pinned. It's going to get pinned. But overall, some really nice models. I'm looking forward to getting them primed and throwing some of my the the blue steel paint that I base them with, and I kind of want to get painting my military orders again. They're such fun models. And then, so speaking of uh, anachronisms, I've also <laughs> assembled my Dumaru for my JSA. Yep. Because you know I was never going to do JSA. I swore it off. Akari was my JSA, and I was like, well, I only need a couple things, and those new Karakari are really neat. So. They are very cool. Here's tomorrow. Uh, I bought them right, just like the Drews, when the, the Drews army came out, I bought these, like, right before they sold out everywhere. So, pretty happy with the timing on that. And yeah, that's what happened in the, when the Drews came out in the, the old pack with all the different weapons mm-hmm. went out of production. Oh yeah, I, as soon I as they, scrounged as soon the they, internet for that. That was a pain in the ass to find. <laughs> yeah, as soon as they showed the new models and the new weapons, I'm like, well, so the most of the weapons I want aren't here. And they look pretty much the same, so I'm gonna get the old ones while I can. Yeah. So I did the same thing with tomorrow. As soon as the new character came out, I'm like, everyone's gonna watch ASA now. Yeah. I'm gonna go get my tomorrow immediately. Yeah. And like, you can't get them anywhere. <laughs> tomorrow are awesome too, up. on the tabletop. Oh my god, they're so cool now. These guys do have lots of pins, but tomorrow are so cool now. They're. Yeah, like I thought they were cool before, but they were just ineffective, and now I feel like there's some they somehow are much better at at doing their job. Well, very cool. What else you got cooking? All right, so uh, another small project I've been working on. Hey, Literally, this is like I'm... a multi-level pun because they're dwarves and it's War Master, so it's like whoa, small, 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 small. Um, yeah, War Master has a pretty. Th- strong thriving community because of 3d printing there are tons of people out there putting amazing uh stills the stl files out there for people that are interested in war master and so dan printed me up the first thousand points of dwarves got those put together glued them down on some bases the bases are from rendara which is a british company but they still make the 20 by 40 millimeter bases yeah i mean i suppose you could just print those too if you really wanted to or just cut them out of something yeah, it's they were so cheap to buy. It, I felt like Silly I it felt to. a shame to sure. to make somebody three D print them. Clint, you but, have a, you have a resin printer, right? 
No, I have a, a FDM? FDM. Got it, got it. Mm-hmm. FDM is what I want. You want an FDM? I, I want an FDM. I want an FDM because, um, frankly, because of uh, uh, terrain. terrain. I want lots and yep. lots of terrain. That's oh, exactly why I got my chat. printer. Oh, there you go. Uh, oh, the, yeah. So, it's. I'm really excited to paint these. I liked Wars. They're probably one of my top two or three favorite fantasy armies back in the day, and I figured I would uh, give the Stunties some love. Well, I'm going to play Skaven when we eventually do this thing. Oh, there's like three people right now developing really cool SDL files for Skaven armies. Well, we'll just have to ask Dan to print them all. <laughs> print all the things. Yep, make it happen. All right, so over to Heavy Gear Land. I did a couple things. So first, the stingers have this flap of material between the two uh, support arms for oh, the rocket launcher at the back. I went through all of mine and cut them out, and I'm much happier with them. Small little hobby thing, but it looks really cool. And then in the upper right-hand corner, this is a model from Talon Games called a Mamba. It's and way better it looking. Is, it is super cool. It's in the same scale as Heavy Gear. So I picked them up to use as antelopes, which is what it's next to in the picture, for my Black Talons army. So uh, yeah, a bit more elite, but still this kind of, you know, fast-moving dune buggy with a little machine gun in the front. Mm-hmm. Pretty stoked on those. Picked up four of those. And then in the bottom here, I really like Dark Hunters. I used them in yeah, you do. the last game I played with Black Talons against you. And they have lots of cool weapon options, so I bought a second pack, and now I have two of every weapon option for Dark, uh, dark Warriors. Yay! <laughs> Yay! So like little jerks with like ECM and snub cannons. Woo! Yeah, or I mean, you talk about having bazookas. all the options. Yeah. So how are the proxying rules in Heavy Gear? the The official rule is you you can't, um, but. As far as I can tell, if you treat it more or less like Infinity, yeah, it's fine. Then you're fine. I mean, heavy heavy gear is. I think the the most dedicated hobbyists are very about WYSIWYG and stuff, but they're also lore grognards. I think they wear that badge with honor. Um, yep. But uh, you know, if if you if you move into a more competitive like heavy gear miniature gaming mindset as opposed to RPG framework, I think most people would be totally fine with this. Yeah, and you know, unlike Infinity, um, I think in all but a couple models right now, every sculpt and every weapon option is available. Right, so because they're all multi-part kits, and every kit comes with pretty much every gun they can have, and what they can't have, there's uh, they sell the individual weapons for, or you have them left over from other pieces. So because you put them together, you know, arm arm, glue the gun arm, you're picking which gun. You can make everything WYSIWYG, so they encourage it. Yep, but. I, I suspect for competitive play, the, it'll be more like Infinity when it comes to the proxy rules. Mm-hmm. Are you are you asking how the magnetization process works, uh, Melanie? Or did you have something else in mind? With I that think one? she's... she's It's a joke. Magnets, how do they work? Oh, the... oh duh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's internet stuff, I am, John. I am, I, am too li- I am too literal. What else have we got? <laughs> so, at the top here, these are models that I've wanted forever. And they are the pythons for the south. And there is a variant called a Badlands python, which is available to everybody. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be like one of the most widely produced and bootlegged and knocked off and stolen and sold on the black market, you know, gears that there is. So 
They opened it up to everybody. I got two of them. I don't know which army I'll use them in, but I just wanted them. I'll probably use them with my Kata in the future since they have the medium field mortars and not much else in, um, in uh, what is that? New Cole. There we mm -hmm. go. Has the field mortars. Mm. And then below it, this is really interesting. This is the Northern Mountaineering Squad. So this is a, a newer set of sculpts. After, so after the Kickstarter, the first Kickstarter a few years back, got like seven years back, they switched from a green stuff sculpting process to a digital sculpting process. And so these were produced with the digital sculpting process and then cast computer. And oh my God, Aaron just made my night. ICP, the Akari company. I, I approve. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna make a juggalo in any of my Ikari army, but I've been tempted now. Um, anyways, the casting is so much cleaner. It is they they were great to put together, uh, night and day. Almost like the difference between the uh, the the first generation plastics and the second generation plastics. Hmm. Like just the qual just the quality of the casting of these was phenomenal. So. Yeah, the the newer stuff, and now that, you know, now that they're they're kind of caught up to where they want to be, they're going to start pushing out more new sculpts, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing those. Yeah, we've we've seen or at least heard about some stuff that's coming down the pipe, and I'm excited for some stuff that's happening. I'm not sure how much we're allowed to say, so we'll keep mum for now. Well, it's actually pretty much all been previewed, like he's shown off renders for just about everything. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to Southern Special Nemesis Jaguar to chop things up with a big old sword. I want more cool uh, PRDF stuff. It's going to be a good time. Yes. So that's what I've been building. Just one or two or 20 some odd things. How about you? Uh, well, I've just been hammering away at 10 of these stupid cubes. I finished two. <laughs> uh, I'm doing it in blue and green. And they take freaking forever because there's just so many things. and You have to edge highlight at everything. And then there's like a sub-assembly on a sub-assembly on sub-assembly. It's just, just like just batching all these doors was a pain in the ass. But they're getting there. So as you can see, I've sort of got this. They look this, really cool. I've got this done. Then I got to do all the little like round things in the corners. And then uh, it's like it's a completely playable interior. So you can take off this bottom door and the top lid. You can basically stack them up. And what? They, yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. I don't know why. I mean, like, it's completely, I mean, it's technically a playable interior, but there's like no way you would ever do it. But I painted it because why not? So you, we could if you wanted I to. I glued all those shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was there. Seemed, seemed reasonable. There's a lot of detail in there, actually. Um, but yep, so that's, that's, what, that's literally all I've done for the past week or so. Uh, just, just chugging through this and using all this army painter stuff, which I probably won't use on anything else because it tends to separate on me. But nevertheless, it's pretty good. Yeah, you can hide stuff in there, right? Just like put your uh, Toha farty, yeah. farty monster in there and just like there are vents, right? So these little vents, so you could you could fart out these vents. There, there you go. Boom. Done. Cannon. Yeah, put a, put a delegate in there and you're good to go. Yep. Perfect. What about you, Clint? That would be awesome. <laughs> You and your farts. Um, hey, you're a Toha player. Yeah, I am a Toha player, but they are pheromones, good sir, and they come out of their little head spikes in the back. Anyways. They're aliens. They can fart out of all kinds of weird places. Yeah. Ah, uh, Lasai. Um, 
Yeah, so my buddy James, you know James, you played against James in uh, that Humboldt Irregular once. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, he wanted me to print up, speaking of printer, uh, some boats for him for D&D. And so today I printed them up and painted them, and they are currently still drying. Uh, little boats. Little, little boats. That's little, awesome. Little boats. <laughs> Boats. And then most of my uh, uh, energy has been going saving to... throws to row those boats. <laughs> and they have tiny oars. I could pick up one of the little oars here. Oh, man. You got that on an FDM printer? That's Ooh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. These files, um, it, I just, I went on Thingiverse, did rowboats, and it was like the first thing that popped up. Um, but I can't recommend these specific ones enough. They printed up super nice. Uh, you won't be able to get it on my camera, but all the bottom of the boat, you could see all the little boards oh, that it's mm-hmm. theoretically made up of. Um, He's doing his own little Buckleberry uh, fairy scenario. They've got to they've got to run across the river before some dudes on horses trample him. Or is, I, or is this the, like the you have a chicken, a fox, and a something you got to like figure out? <laughs> oh yeah, <they're>... right. <laughs> like, uh, what order do you get all these people across? You, you've got three boats, and there are twelve different kinds of animals. And figure go. it out. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna go over here, write a quick program, and see what the answer is, because yeah. that'll be quicker. Um, speaking of programs, most of my hobby time has been spent. I'm actually working on a website Ooh. right now, and the first tool I'm gonna throw on there is a, like a reverse lookup. Like if you wanted to look up all the people who had infiltration. Oh, for infinity neat. it would just type in infiltration and hit enter so i've got it to the point where you could type in infiltration right now it doesn't do anything yet but it's, it's you can exciting. type it in what are you it's, building it's it autofill so uh i really wanted to build it in something else but it's just php and html stuff hey what's well, wrong with that that's a that's an old there's nothing wrong standard. with that at all I wanted to do something different specifically, but the cheapo website hosting thing I have, mm. if you want to do Java, you have to have like a dedicated server. If you want to do basically anything, you have to have a des- dedicated server. So I'm just down in PHP land, okay. which is well, fine. Just The, the LAMP stack is, is the backbone of the internet. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. It's okay. There's no shame. I just didn't want to be the backbone of my internet. Okay, fair enough. Well, very cool. This is not the start of a Squarespace ad. I do. I'm doing everything from scratch, <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> oh man. I like to do games. That's what I like to do. <gasps> we played some games. We did. Well, we played an ad game. You played a game, Israel, which 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 was great. That's all I wanted to do. Well, you finally broke in your yeah. uh, seventh month streak of of just flat out losing to you. Yeah, you tied a few in there. <laughs> you tied a few in there. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So we played uh, Mind Wipe. You were doing Cosmo Flot, and mm-hmm. I was doing military orders. I really wanted to try out a lot of those sweet new toys and military orders. But why don't we start off with uh, with what you took, John? Sure. Uh, I took a bit of a weird thing. So I'm kind of of the opinion that uh, 
in Cosmoflot, you kind of want to use Wallace because, at least for me, I didn't really know why I wanted to play Cosmoflot other than that I haven't played it yet. Uh, I'd much rather play Vanilla Ariadna, but you can't get Wallace as a lieutenant in Vanilla Ariadna. So I took Wallace to sort of deal with that. Yeah, right. And then you, that means you can take eight point Ermandino regular orders, which is great. Cataram becomes a regular at 23 points for a T2 sniper, so he doesn't like that. Yeah, so I just I just took a Wallace, a couple of cheap orders with Varangians, Ermandinos. Um, I took, because uh, you're playing Mind Wipe, I needed D charges. So I took uh, two Sass, uh, Uxia, of course. Um, and then because Tim shamed me into it, I took a War Driver for, for Mind Wipe because. <laughs> boo, Tim! Yeah, boo, Tim! Boo! <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, because it's awesome, I took the Cataran T2 Sniper and then, of course, the Para Commando AP Spitfire, which ended up doing all the things. What about you? What did you take? Yeah, so I really wanted to focus on taking as much of the new stuff, or not new stuff, but as much of the stuff that came in that that yeah, uh, army pack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to use everything because I didn't I didn't really want to use a knight commander or an infirmer. So started off with the the knight of justice Spitfire because a that model is amazing and b that unit is amazing. Mm-hmm. So he 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 punches and kills all the things that you need to get punched and killed. Well, except for sass. Um, then I took a, uh, Knight of Santiago hacker because I need to, have, I want to have a hacker to a, get the mind wipe order. And also because you, or the, uh, the Uber hacker program. Sure. To blow you up. And I figured I have the infantry that I can stick in any link and march across the table is a pretty good candidate for it. Then I took, uh, three crosshair, uh, the, the combi rifle blitz and EM mines because holy hell. That's such a cool profile. It's the profile that I would take and wholeheartedly endorse. Yeah, hundred. It was it was really hard to not take all three of them. Right. Uh, and then I took a paramedic because th- that was honestly the longest decision making tree I had was, do I take this paramedic, or do I take a second combi rifle EM mines blitz in? Like back, I went back and forth on that probably for two days. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, Tucker Scholar brings up a good point. KHDs can't be the Uber hacker. Or well, one. I'm a big fat cheater. What's new? But fortunately, that didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. So I didn't Uber hack a damn thing. Yep. But good catch. Uh, so then uh, I took the Black Fire with the uh, the heavier rocket launcher because that's a good cheap heavy weapon for 25 points, one and a half swick for an MSV2, and I can yeah. throw it in the link when someone goes down. So I couldn't. Uh, it's awesome. Yeah. Is that one? It's a great. I mentioned this in in the uh, in the uh, uh, battle report, but the nice thing is that uh, the Black Friar has six cents, which means it's yeah. an excellent candidate to not be in the link at the beginning because he gets yeah, all the benefits. I can leave it out. Yeah, exactly. And then the Knight of the Holy Sepulcher NCO APHMG QP all the uh, things. I really wanted to use that guy. It's only one swick. I don't know what happened or why. It's only one swick. Hmm. It should be two. I'll take it at one. Very happy with one. Finished off that first group with the Fugazi. Then my second group was a Peacemaker with a uh, with a heavy shotgun, a Sierra HMG, Trinitarian, which is such a cool infiltrator. It's up there now, I think, with the Eclipsos. But Trinitarian, Ford Observer with SMG, D-Charges, Flashballs, and Mines. Mm-hmm. as everything you want. A Machinist and Palbot to keep the Sierra running, and a Warcore. The, the whole point of this second group was to push the button. And if I 
survived on turn two to just run at the objective with discharges. Tio camo and discharges does things. Yep. That is so basically what happened. So spoiler alert: Adam won the game. Um, it was actually a lot closer than it probably should have been. Uh, yeah. Basically, you, on the so first yeah. turn, I lost a frontific HRL, uh, Ermandino with multi sniper. That's right. That happened. Uh, I lost the unknown ranger and a uh, Cataran all to the Knight of the Holy Sep- uh, Sepulcher, which sucks. That's right. Uh, but then just, I proceeded. Yeah, but then I proceeded to throughout the whole game kill the Santiago, all three Croziers, the Black Friar, um, and the and I think that was it, right? With with the uh, with my para, my para commando. So that definitely was yeah. Awesome. The para commando wipes killed all those. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, I you got you landed a decharge. So did I. I crit on my decharge. You did not. Um, but your decharge, right. I failed all three saves, and my decharge, you passed all four. So that was yeah. a, that was a huge bummer. <laughs> I felt really good about uh, about the game. Otherwise, uh, especially the part where the SAS killed the Knight of Justice in close combat. So that was awful. That was awesome. That was awful. It was awesome. Oh my god! Yeah. So Knight of Justice moves into close combat with the SAS. I'm like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna learn you a thing or two, boy. And I think I put three orders into the SAS, and, and nothing happened. It was two orders. So the first order we both orders. crit. The second order, yes. I I hit you but did not crit. And you pass no, yeah. I did. I, I crit you. I you crit, crit you. I pass both saves. You pass both saves. Then on my turn, I rolled, uh, and you pass the first. You pass the first save. No, no, you took one mm-hmm. wound. You took one wound, and then yep. I rolled again, and I crit you, and then you pass one, but not both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that that's his ass. Yep. Uh, took down my Knight of Justice in close combat. It was a little. A little sad, yeah, but, but like I could totally imagine like the the fight scene in the movie, right? Like this big power armor dude with the big sword just swings it and like embeds it into the ground and is trying to pull it out. Yeah, just gets like shivved in the neck. Yeah, that's basically so. what happened. Because you know, I, I think I think it says everything when uh, you take the hit. And he's like, all right, what am I what am I getting hit with? And I'm like, uh, AP plus shock. You're like, no. So <laughs> right, why does it have to be AP? Why does it have to be AP? Exactly. So that uh, actually. Turned out to be okay. I think I could have tied it had I been a little more careful in my last turn uh, with my with my decision making. Um, but I was in a rush because I was trying to just get to the thing and I wasn't thinking too carefully. So if you want more details, go check out the the battle report. Yeah. Yay, Clint! Wait, have you got any games in lately? Yeah, I got a couple of games of uh, decapitation in actually. Ooh. Um, oh, perfect. One versus Lobo, where the rock showed up and I got crushed. That'll happen. Like, absolutely crushed. Second time I faced the rock, second time it has curb stomped me. And then on Sunday, our tabletop throwdown, I was playing Eric and he brought um, Vanilla Pano. He's loving Vanilla Pano lately. Yep. Yep. He had a cutter, was memorable, and then he had a goddamn Swiss missile launcher. Swiss miss. Oh. And uh, yeah, I also I also lost that one pretty hard. So. That Swiss missile launcher uh, catch you off guard. Yeah, I went to engage his Blackfriar heavy rocket launcher, 
And he was like, but also, there's, <laughs> no. but wait, there's more. No. And, and yeah. Yep. 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 And then he passed like, I want to say nine armor saves in a row with that thing against the AP marksman on my drawl. No. Oh, that's gross. It was rough. That's it was gross. rough. Yeah. I, the only time I've taken a Swiss miss was against uh, IA. And my opponent brought a Guija, and I felt really smug because I revealed it uh, when the Guija was in the open, um, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't kill it. And so then this Camo's token starts moving, and this was back when DEPs were still a thing. So the Zencha gets into DEP range and kills the Swiss Miss. <laughs> just like, all right, well, sure, fine, okay. And then <laughs> everything else just crumbled after that. Alas. Well, great. Yay, getting games in. This is this is exciting. And I know in Oregon, um, the, the governor recently announced that they're hoping to have things open like by July because our vaccination rate is really high here. So nice. yay, Oregonians. We might get some some more meat space games in, John. Yay. With, with other people. Yes, yes, other people. Play, play not you for once <laughs> in meat space. Right. Not that I right. don't enjoy it, but it'd be good to get some different uh, different takes on on strategy. Excellent. Well, all right, guys, it's that time! Yay! Prizes! Prizes! All right, prizes, so prizes. every week, Mythic Games provides one of our lucky listeners the ten dollars gift gift certificate to moe-games.com. Um, Clint, why don't you pick the magic word for the evening? Already, uh, in honor of that sweet photo you grabbed off of Facebook, I think I'll pick Batman. All All right. One word? Yep, one word, Batman. All right. Happen. You guys have a few seconds to enter the magic word before we uh, push the button and pick someone to win the credit. All right, I think that's, I think that's good, John. Hit the button. Hey, it's Frank. Frank! Yay. Congratulations. I'll go ahead and shoot your information over to Ruben. And he'll hook you up with a couple dollars in credit. And yeah, thank you very much, Mythic Games, for your support. For those who don't know, it's he's a friendly local shop down in Santa, Santa Cruz. Yeah, Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And I used to play there every now and then when I lived in the Bay Area. Really, I mean, really nice guy. He is a hell of an Infinity player. Uh, with a, a bit of a reputation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so no, we just you know appreciate him helping us out with the show and helping to keep the Infinity community alive in the Bay Area. So he's, he's a real uh, sandwich slapper, that guy. A sandwich? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is, it's not, yeah, it, 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 like, like, so there, there are like urban, <laughs> there's like folklore around around Ruben on like 4chan yeah. of him, like slapping people's sandwiches out of their hands and like kicking kittens on the way in and taking <laughs> children, yeah. taking children's candy. I mean, and at, at one point he was the best in the world. So, uh, I mean, you know, arguably he still is in many ways, but, uh, yeah. So on, on 4chan, there's a, there's a long and storied history of all the heinous things he's done. And one of them was uh, a tournament, a, a, a ob- obviously false story about uh, a sandwich getting slapped out of somebody's hand when he was there. <laughs> it's, so, it's so perfect. Yeah. 
Goodness gracious. All right. Well, it's what you've all been waiting for. Our main feature. Let's start talking about some ITS season 12. Let's so do before it. we get into the, the two missions we're talking about tonight. Clint has prepared some pretty interesting changes to review uh, from this season compared to last. So well, little things that, that changes from hmm? season 12 to 12.1. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. The update, the update derp. There we go. Yep. 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 Yeah. So they, this was a couple of weeks now. They put out a new a version 1.1 of their season 12 ITS thing. Um, most of it was just fixing things that weren't, you know, that big, like the, synchronized civilian you're not allowed to do it as part of a fire team sure okay um, if if you're civivact and you join a fire team that's canceled um the civivact is canceled yeah yeah if you join a fire team and okay. you're civivact with the civilian it's canceled um then some bigger change slightly bigger change for the soldiers of fortune extra um it's now you could take 85 points worth of mercs instead oh. of 75. Um, oh interesting and then that's mission actually, hmm? i was like that's actually kind of significant like being able to get it's 85 more points of mercs instead of <laughs> <laughs> and then some right and then, some, and then yeah. like well, a little yon yon's and mcmurrow done that... <laughs> right, but well, what it really means though is if you're taking any of the the, the tag, the mercenary tags, yeah, it's for stuff like that. It doesn't, yeah, like it, it opens up. You can still take some more, some more toys out of there. Sure, sure, sure. Makes um, sense. Biotechvor got some language cleared up. The way it was written before, it made it sound like it happened at the end of every player turn that everybody took damage. But it's just at the end of your turn, your troops take damage. I see. Um, countermeasures, the scoring for countermeasures changed. So the amount of points you get for having more objectives done went down mm -hmm. from oh. four to two. But the okay. amount of missions you can do went up to sit from six to eight. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. Well, so that does mean that it's. Because before, if I remember correctly, John, on our previous math, yep. it was basically impossible to not get a major. Mm -hmm. um, if you so want to get a major. This bounces basically. that out. Yeah. But this does also mean getting 10 points is going to be freaking hard. Yes. Yes. Yes, you it is. Do all eight. Yep. Um, Especially since the, the civilians disappear. Also but yeah, because the civilians go away. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you at one point might have civilian objectives that you physically cannot accomplish, no matter what you do. So, Interesting. Something to think about. Um, I, I think this is a yeah, positive it, change. Yeah, overall, I definitely think it's better. Yeah. Um, I didn't, you know, even though, like, in a tournament, you know, it's a balanced situation, like, well, everybody wins and get majors off this. I like it better where it encourages, um, it doesn't just encourage getting, you know, winning by one or two, right? Mm -hmm. You really want to get as many done as you can because it's going to actually matter in the end. So. I like it. Makes sense. Very um, cool. and then in decapitation, which is relevant nothing, for tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, the 
table, the text table changed to match the map because the map had the 16-inch deployment okay. zone, but the table didn't. I see. So they confirmed that it is a 16-inch deployment zone? Yeah. Cool. Um, the mind wipe data erasure change, the trooper can now be on the table as a model or a marker mm -hmm. before it had to be not a marker. Yeah. And this is for, for sorry, mind, mind wipe. wipe. For the Uber hacker? Mm -hmm. Yes. Oh. That opens up a lot of possibilities. Oh. Mm -hmm. That does. That's actually... That's a, that's pretty big because there's a lot of really good infiltrating, you know, specialist hackers. Yes, there are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help you right. with TO because you got to be on the table still. Like, or sorry, sure. hidden, hidden deployment rather. But uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a that's a positive change. That helps a lot, so you don't just have like a zero hacker just like floating in the wind. <laughs> Please don't kill this guy. Right. <laughs> it also totally gives away what's behind that camel marker. Yeah, yeah, it does. But I mean, like, <laughs> it's not going to be a huge surprise, though, right? So, yeah. But we'll talk more about mind That's... wipe in a couple weeks when we go over mind wipe and looting and sabotaging. And I'm just thinking that's so relevant for an infiltrating hacker, though, because now your infiltrating hacker can push the button and then go mind, you know, go use their hacking program at eight inches to blow up the console. Mm hmm. To answer um, chat, someone's asking about TO hackers. It has to be on the table, right? Yeah, as a marker. Has to be on the table. But it could be on the table as a mimetism minus six marker now. So yeah, yes. you don't have to. You don't have to hidden deploy. I mean, the other thing that you can do is because they drop the Uber hacker token when when they die. You can do what I did against Adam, which is they had a infiltrating non-marker state hacker, like what uh, I use a serious a serious. Uh, yeah, trooper, serious team lady, and you murdered the face, like you murdered her face, right? You murdered her face off. But I had a razor hacker, literally standing on her, and so once you killed her and moved away, I just snuck past you with a to camo guy. So, <laughs> yoink! I'll take this. Yep. Thank you. Thank you like, for uh, for making her yeah. give it up. I always you, wanted it. You've activated my trap card. So, yeah, that's the thing you could do. Uh, it is, obviously is a, a bit of an overinvestment, but uh, I think having that in your back pocket was pretty good, especially the game. Like you, you wrecked everything that I had and forced me to uh, <laughs> to be very, very inventive, I guess, with my last few orders. Think creatively. Yes, right, exactly. So um, well, that's yeah. not bad though. Just or just don't hit and deploy them. Yeah. Yep. Right. It's and like, then here's a giant thing that is totally not an anathematic. That's in my deployment zone and has an Uber hacker token it's fine don't worry about it what don't worry about it it's fine oh my god and he gets an extra order <laughs> yeah right gross gross uh, what what else was there clint um safe area i just have text change to match objective section yeah it's probably just some bug fix i mean there, there aren't a huge amount yeah. of like earth shattering right. changes I mean, the Uber hacker thing is a big deal. Uh, and apparently that was an English versus Spanish language thing, according to folks in chat. And then, uh, mm. then of course, um, the changes to countermeasures are actually like a change that, that affects some. Yeah, gameplay. sure. Yeah. 
uh, funny, funny thing that happened though, in countermeasures, they accidentally put the table from decap into there. So now it's wrong. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Oh, guys. So now that now the table in uh. countermeasures says you get a 16 inch deployment zone, but the map has a 12 inch band. Mm-hmm. And it was it was not like that in the previous version. So right. that is 100 percent wrong. There's no way they meant to do that. Um, yeah. It's they, not they, part they of their keep list us, of changes. Keep us riled up. Keep us engaged. That's 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 their their ploy, right? Yeah, exactly. They have to do something to make the uh, to make the people angry on the forums. Yep, yep. True facts. They they, <laughs> they can't possibly whip themselves up into a frenzy. No, no, no. Oh, they, they need they need some goading, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Let's just not talk about the caricature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's avoid that at all costs. All right, so you want to talk about uh, annihilating that from uh, from the discussion? Huh? How's that yeah, for so transition? Let's, let's perfect. <laughs> let's uh, let's go on uh, to start talking about the the two basically pew pew shoot kill all the things missions, uh, starting with annihilation. So, you know, I, I think that the, the the breakdown here is going to be unsurprising. Uh, you want to kill stuff, right? So if you kill uh, 75 to 150 points of your opponent's army, you get one point. Uh, 151 to 250, you get three points. And over 250, you get four. So you really want to kill as much of them as possible. And if you can't kill 75 points, then you're getting zero points. Yep. And then you the same uh, button reverse for surviving. So if you have 75 to 150 surviving, you get a point. 150 to 250 surviving, you get three points. And then uh, greater than 250 surviving, you get four points. And then finally, get an extra two points for killing the lieutenant. Yep. That's it. Those are all the rules. Um, a couple important things is uh, there's no retreat, so murder away. And I, I don't think uh, Reinforced Tactical Link is in here, so loss of lieutenant is a thing, and it is absolutely crippling in this mission. Um, yeah, this is... You know, like a lot of missions, that, especially when there's objectives at play that you can score throughout the game, mm-hmm. lost lieutenant. You can you can survive a turn in lost lieutenant, but man, in annihilation, it sucks. <laughs> and you're giving up two points to the opponent. Mm-hmm. So you really want to be, uh, you really want to be careful with that. Yes. So when it comes to, so when it comes to winning. You win by by murdering more guys and not having your guys die. Yeah, you want to be conservative with your murder, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, you know, tra- a, a peace trade in this is actually really interesting because you it, you don't really want to peace trade. As so well, lose... you can if you're trading up, right? There are definitely some yeah, models that is... can that can like, for example, SAS versus your Knight of Justice. That's an excellent trade. Sure, that was a great trade. Yeah. But Liberto versus anything. Yeah, right. Also true. Um, but you really want to make sure that you're trading up because if you trade across, and and I think even up by a lot because what if you trade, like let's say you trade your um, your six point warband for a ten point enemy trooper, you're losing the opportunity cost of your warband and only gaining four victory points or four killing four victory points to the opponent. Yep. Like that's not really enough. So 
keeping yourself alive is important. Not overextending is a really big deal. Yep. You can you can feel like that first turn you're putting no deployed. I'm gonna run my five man link up the table and just start you know okay corralling and like murdering all their guys. You can. Yep. And but then, then they, your turn's over. Yes. <laughs> and then they bring in the Spitfire armed AD troop and go to town. Shut up. <laughs> that never happens. <laughs> Something I so, don't like about the bands of points that they have, like I would rather just see like you have a hundred more victory points than your opponent. But what can happen is you could trade a six point guy for a 20 point guy and it doesn't affect their score, but it can bring your score down. Right. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I think this it's is especially worth important. keeping track. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On for turn three, it like mm-hmm, you should mm-hmm. you should very carefully like if you're at the bottom of three, like you're going second, really think about if you should do anything. It's entirely possible that just completely, you know, passing on all your orders is is worth it. Like, well, yeah. I'm not going to improve my situation any. I don't want to risk anything. I'm happy with this in my tournament standing, so I'm going to call it here and then go get a beer or whatever. Uh, so think very carefully about about that if you're going if you're going second on the on the bottom turn. This is one of those missions that I think um, having the army open on your app, your army open on the app, and when you're in play mode, you mark off your your dead guys. It shows you how many points you have left on the table. Yes. For calculating retreat. Yes. Like, do that. Do that in this mission so you know exactly how many points you have. Because mm-hmm. like you said, if you're sitting at 200 and, you know, or geez, even worse, at like, um, you know, 151 points on the table and you go trade your guy and you go down to like 148. Yep. You're like, that just cost you two. That just cost you two objective points. Yep. My war core went to the non-existent pan- panoply and pulled a shotgun out and then shot something with it is the scenario you just described. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. There's some four point models that can do things. A couple five point models. Sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah, but your your point is valid. I'm just I'm just teasing you about your math. But yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I think I I don't think I've ever been in a tournament that played Anil- Annihilation though. Uh, I don't. I, it's kind of funny. We it's certainly have never one run like. one. I don't think. I mean, we we might have run like a Saturday tournament, like some random like Saturday in July. We might have run one. Well, I, I guarantee you I have run it every season except for this season. That's true. You do you but you you do make it, a point of cycling through all the missions. Yeah, we we have played every single mission at least once. Um but yeah, it's I don't find it very common. It could be a meta thing. You know, some some metas prefer the more straightforward straightforward scenarios. Um I don't know what our meta prefers. I know what I make them play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um but i've actually i've actually considered uh putting annihilation in more and i'll get to that when we talk about uh the kind of the broad you know mustache twirling strategies for both these missions but it basically has to do with even though it is such straightforward murder stuff Mm -hmm. in a tournament setting when you're calculating points it actually rewards really tight gameplay yeah that's true it does like in a, yeah and in, in a one-off game like murder kill whatever all you want but in a in a tournament setting when you when you are calculating your op and your tp and your vp right you you're gonna want to get that four point win which is not terribly hard but 
if you start sacrificing your your VP to get the four point win or your op or your uh, OP to get the four point win, it really can affect your overall standing. Yes. Um, so I guess the other thing that I I've uh, this is my personal preference. I in teaching Infinity, I don't think I've ever done Annihilation uh, as an introduction mm -hmm. scenario. I've always done things like seize the antenna, supplies with two antennas instead of three. Or so it applies to three uh, tech coffins, whatever the hell they're called. Um, but I've never done Annihilation because usually the selling point for Infinity is that it's not about murder, right? Like, yeah, it's about other yeah. objectives. You could be tabled and still win the game. Uh, and that is often a selling point to people that are coming from other game systems. So I tend to avoid Annihilation. But your point about it being uh, very um, important to pay attention to your point scorings and how it affects your tournament standings and that introduces a new bit of like meta gameplay when you're when you're trying to optimize for the right amount of points to get and like being careful not to overextend or just like throw away orders because you know it's not going to improve your improve your point spread at all um, is something mm -hmm. that i think it's good to teach especially to new players to just really stop and assess the situation um but i find that uh even in light of that comment, I, I think this is a good like intermediate to advanced development scenario as opposed to like just throwing a new player at this. If a new player is just like, I just want to learn the mechanics, uh, I mean, even then I would probably just do like the five on five light infantry, sort of just like Fusiliers versus Zanshi, go, 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 pew, pew, pew. This is how a face-to-face -face role works because trying to juggle this is, is a bit much, I think, right? There's a lot going on. Uh, and I think it's easier yeah. to explain like, oh, beep, boop the button and then you just win. Uh, and that, that teaches more about what infinity is really like. And then this is sort of like, mm -hmm. okay, now how do I manage overextension kind of scenario? Yeah. I think one, one other kind of argument to, to running annihilation in a tournament is that I think of any mission, it, it rewards the most negative game experience. Sure. Right. Like there's no quarter, there's no loss, there's no retreat. Yeah, you're you've got to play all three turns, and my goal is to kill at least two hundred and fifty out of three hundred of your points. Yep, and to deny you killing just as much of my stuff, like both of those are like so like oh cool well it's, it's bottom of two you're down to like four models, but guess what I got to keep going. Yeah, <laughs> I yep. need I need them I need them objective points. I need them. So, and your opponent just kind of has to be like, well, this has been fun. I killed basically nothing of yours, and you you have to kill me for another turn. Right. And, like, I guess at that point, <laughs> you know, neither of you are really learning anything. This isn't like a, a chess end game where you're like, all right, I got to I gotta figure out what to, what to do with this, like, rook-bishop combo. All right, let's figure this out. Or, like, yeah. I, got, I got a bishop and a knight. Like, all right, let's go. There's not, there's not that right, kind so, of learning experience. No, exactly. So I think because of that, if, if I were to run this in our tournament, it'd be the first or second round. Yeah. Right. It would be play it, get it over with. This would not be a final round game because at that point, you're not, you're not rewarding the gameplay. The rewarding of the sure. gameplay is the strength of the schedule yeah. that you build from it. But kind of like a... Um, it's kind of like playing a showdown, right? When you play a showdown tournament... Sure. You every single point matters because you're only playing that one round, so you're comparing everyone's, you know, their their TP, their OP, and their VP. Well, yeah, let's, maybe we should explain what a, uh, a showdown tournament is. It's a single round tournament, 
you play one one mission and you try to maximize all your scores. So yeah, literally every VP so, matters because I have had, you know, I've, I've run some showdown tournaments where that was the deciding factor in the final standings. Right. Like, like several people got 10 victory points and then you have to, or objective points and you have to figure out, okay, well who had the most surviving stuff. Yep. And so this mission kind of forces showdown gameplay. Um, in, in a in a multiple round tournament so i do think i think earlier is the the better place to put it it would not be fun for the last turn, round tournament because yeah. like if the person is one at the if the person is basically one at the bottom of two you'd be like well you have to keep going it's the tournament yep. final table like yep. that's that's not an enjoyable game to watch yeah well they should rename the uh they should re- rename the scenario dive 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 because this is how you submarine at tournaments <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't know Clinton, have you have you played anything lately that has involved Annihilation? No, I haven't played Annihilation. It's not a very popular TTS scenario, I don't think. <sighs> I don't think I've played it ever. Like, it's, really, it's just murder each other. Yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of metas that swear by this mission. I mean, it's it's a. I mean, I will say it is a no frills mission. The objectives are super straightforward. There's no like, okay, I should I should time my push on this. Is like, no, just is it is it vulnerable? Pounce on it and kill it, right? So it does have yeah. some some stark simplicity, which is nice. Yeah, and it and it has it has a layer of complication in figuring out exactly how many points you have. That like a cow that a casual game, if you just want to murder each other, you just want to murder each other. You don't want to be like, well, do I have 151 points or do I have 148 points? How many points am I killing you by exactly? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think it lends itself to casual very well. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of feel like the learning curve for it is like very low and then steep and then flat again. Like you're like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm gonna murder stuff for playing the game to murder stuff, and then you know, maybe when you get to like higher level competitive play and this shows up in a tournament, there is an extra level of consideration you have to have. Yeah. Yeah. And. And I mean, Abiscus in, in chat is saying, right, so it was apparently in the, the Real Human Edge tournament or league or something. Oh. Uh, there, was a, there was a murder hallway on the map because they standardized maps for everybody. Um, and apparently it was a lot of just like very cagey back and forth, taking an occasional shot through that murder hallway. Yeah, that's tough, right? Like if you want to play a very um, conservative game where you just like don't expose much, uh, you expose multi-boon models with like doctors nearby or something, uh, hope for the best. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there's a, it's, I think the biggest takeaway, if if you want to take one thing away from this discussion of the mission, right, like on on its face, it's like go shoot the other guy in the face, right? That's pretty simple. But there's a lot more to it, uh, and then I think really it's just if you if you're gonna play this, spend some time thinking about uh, where your points are coming from turn to turn, right? So this is probably um, a good mission to develop your sense of tempo and timing on. And that's probably the mm-hmm. takeaway that I would suggest you have from this discussion. Yeah, and honestly, thinking about it like this, it might be a solid, um, a solid showdown tournament scenario. It's, it's kind of built for it already. Yeah, yeah, right. So lots of lots of consideration. Excellent. So the second mission is decapitation. I actually really like this mission. It's it's kind of the 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 way I want a killing mission to go. Like, sure, we have to murder each other, but I have to kill some of you more. Like, there's there's something a little a little more specific to it. So, 
we have the the missions here. Yeah, the objectives here. The first one to kill more enemy points, or to kill more army points of the adversary. Three points. Yep. That's basically like that's a a big swing right there. Uh, same number of lieutenants is two points. Obviously, if somebody has to have had a lieutenant die for that to happen, kill more lieutenants is three points. Kill the designated target is two points for each one. Yep, there's two. Because there's two. Yep. yep. There's two of them, and there's no classifieds. So this mission changed a lot this season. It really did. It's a completely and different mission than the old, the old one. Yeah. Like, the only thing it has in common is killing the enemy lieutenants. Mm-hmm. So it still has no quarters. There's still no retreat. Uh, but unlike Annihilation, it has reinforced tactical links. So there is no loss of lieutenant either, which is rad. Everybody's more at. Welcome to the club. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of nice because that's the thing you're supposed to do. So it makes sense that you're not immediately hamstrung after your opponent does the thing that's in the objectives. So that's nice. Uh, your lieutenant it is public information though, so they know they do know who they're go- they yeah. do know who they're going after. Um, so there's that. Um, and that is as soon as they're on the table. Yeah. Yeah. So they know during deployment as well. Yep. That's a and that's a big deal, right? It's not like after you set up and you're like, oh, here's my lieutenant. It's like, no, 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 you're deploying first. Where's your lieutenant? Yep. And now we get to counter deploy to kill your lieutenant. Because that's the that's the easiest three points I feel like you can get this mission. Actually, like I more disagree. Army I disagree. Oh, really? Yes. So uh, I think going after the lieutenant, unlike the name of the mission, is I think is a mistake. Go on. Because your opponent is going to... I mean, like if you're playing a mission called Decapitation, where you know what's coming and you know how, to, your, how your opponent's going to score points, you're going to engineer your list to protect your lieutenant, right? So you're going to take... Some kind of, you know, maybe a TL lieutenant that can like hide in the back, some, you know, or some other marker state lieutenant, or some like high CC uh, template weapon lieutenant that sits in the back surrounded by a link team, so they all have six cents. Like, you're going to do something. You're going to invest a huge amount of mm-hmm. your your list building strategy, your deployment strategy, and your during game um, risk mitigation strategy into protecting your lieutenant. So it's really freaking hard against a competent player to do something against a lieutenant. You can attempt to go for an AD kill, but they'll you know drop an airborne trooper on something, and maybe get the kill that way. Uh, so it's certainly possible, but I'm I would venture to say that um, it's a lot harder to defend the uh, designated targets, and you get more points for killing both of those, and they're easier to kill because they're just like weenie civilians, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. in the process of fighting to the lieutenant, you're probably going to kill more army points. So basically, I think given the amount of resources you have to expend and the fact that your opponent is building a castle, right? You can, you can like, you know, what, what does, uh, like, you know, all of the treaties on, on warfare teach you, right? Don't attack the hard target. Find the soft exposed underbelly sure. and go for that. So if they're going to castle, yeah, that means they're good yeah. luck. Yeah, if, if, if they're going to castle, that means their designated targets are weaker. That means they have some stuff out left exposed to fight you. So, so you basically pick away at the castle, kill all the easy, low-hanging fruit, and then you can play a stalling game. And you're probably up on lieutenant, probably up on army points, and you've got both of the, the dressing, designated targets. So that's that's my Sure, opinion. I think there's... It, it is definitely going to be a what you play, what they play, and how they deploy. Sure, I think you should have a plan for killing the lieutenant. And if that plan is, I took a Rassiat, right? Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. If my if my enemy if my enemy messes up deployment, I need to be you need to be able to pounce on that as quickly as possible in this mission. I agree. 
I think I think I w- I would make a very specific statement, which is uh, have a plan to punish bad deployment, but do not have plan A be kill the. Don't rely enemy. on it. No, don't your plan plan A should not be kill the enemy lieutenant because if you do that, yeah. you'll you'll enter into you you you'll, you'll get tunnel vision. Every game of decapitation yeah. that I've lost, I got tunnel vision on the lieutenant, and I had all kinds of like really clever plans, right? Like. Uh, I had uh, some scenario where I was like, all right, I'm just going to use my Vukin 9 HRL and then shoot the pal bot that's next to the lieutenant and then like mm-hmm. clip the lieutenant with the template and that will that will do it. And then I exposed the, the Ryukin 9 to like all sorts of stuff. It died and then like I flubbed the roll and I was really sad. So like then I, you know, I over-invested on it. I tried to Shikami it. It didn't work. So all, all kinds of stuff. I just, I just blew up, you know, probably 120 points worth of stuff going after the stupid lieutenant and I, and I lost. <laughs> Whereas I could have just as easily done something else, and my opponent didn't kill my lieutenant, right? Yeah. So, I I, I think I think uh, take 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 stock of what they've done. If there's an obvious hole um, in yeah. their deployment, then then sure, go for it. But I don't. But that that might be a ruse, right? Right. Especially if you're playing so O12 the, the and mission... there might be links. Yeah, I said so. The mission has that 16 inch deployment zone. There's no exclusion zones. I almost feel like an AD unit is a must, and it's exactly for that reason. It can quickly, it can quickly pick up a designated target. It can quickly pick up the enemy lieutenant. Mm-hmm. You know, if they like, I put my lieutenant all the way up on this tower where none of my own guys can actually draw a line of fire, and you AD right behind him and, and pew pew him. Yep. You know. Um, well, I don't. Know. Clint, Clint like, has, has the most recent two games between the three of us. So, so what happened in? Yeah. In those, how'd they go? Yeah, so you were talking about having a Lynx hidden, and the guy had a Swiss Miss hidden. Yeah, there you Eric go. Eric did when I played him. And you were you were um, trying to push with a Gorgos, I think, right? That was what you said in chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was... <laughs> it was the one time I didn't bring a Galrail, and he had a Cutter. He ended up having the Swiss Miss, and... Oh, yeah, he had the... The Black Friar, who I could have gotten long range, um, but it, it in both the games it was just really good alpha strikes that hamstrung me, and then you know went downhill from there. Um, so what what got removed in your, in the alpha strikes that you suffered? So the. Alpha Strike's a misnomer for the game with Eric. Eric only <laughs> took out uh, my Sukiel missile launcher on his turn. With the cutter? First. I chose with the cutter. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, he, I chose to deploy second because I brought a Gorgos. Um, and I think that was a mistake because having that 16 inches uh, is nice for going first. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came to my turn, I basically lost two out of the four wounds on the Gorgos just by moving it because his Swiss miss was already looking at it. Oof. And by the end of that turn, that was gone on my turn. I think I took out like one Teutonic Knight or something. Not really that big um, of a loss for Eric. Not for a Gorgos. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, I, th- I think what's interesting you, you brought up AD is that most AD are nerfed a little bit by bigger deployment zones. They can't walk on a, as many edges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, except for in like my game versus Lobo, Barack. <laughs> yeah, anything with those AD kind of deployment, <laughs> the parachutist deployment zone. It It's a bit of a nerf for them because you're kind of taking advantage of all that extra space. You're moving up forward. It's right. that much harder to look backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, that's funny. So, so in that game, I shouldn't have. I probably should have turtled a little harder, bah, further back in my deployment zone. Because again, I was going second. That time, I didn't have a choice. Um, but yeah, yeah, deployment it's, deployment I, is really hard, uh, especially for this mission. Like as you said, right? You you have more physical space, which means you're more incentivized to spread out. Um, I mean, you could resist that urge and and decide to play the the long range game, depending on what your force composition looks like. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely tough, right? You need to decide very carefully what your what your plan is. Um, the thing I really like about that sixteen inch deployment zone, mm-hmm. you have to think like there's there's basically two ways I feel like people deploy: they either null deploy, right, or they put out some hard they put out hard arrows. Sure, things like TR bots. Uh, you know the 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 the, pan, the Varuna Tower of Power, mm-hmm. right? And I think taking a bike in the armies that are bike capable is pretty pretty powerful in decapitation. You figure that sixteen inch deployment zone means that you are one order from the enemy stable half. Sure, you're Eric two, brought one. Yep, you're two orders from the enemy deployment zone. Sure. So when somebody null deploys, having the ability to the, the problem with null deployment is that it takes you a lot of orders to go get points out of them, and you you inherently overextend, right? Mm-hmm. But if you can take something um, like Yojimbo, something like the Montessa Knight, any uh, of the Aragato, yeah, the Aragato, something a little bit tough that can get across the board in their impetuous order, sure, plus one regular order, yep, and start killing things. And if it dies, you lose what nineteen points for uh, uh, Yojimbo. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Not the end of the world. Yeah, Vanderbane and Koshi have there. great points too, right? So because you have more area to deploy in, that means more. Because deploying S4s is always a pain in the ass because they they have big asses, right? So you got to put them somewhere and <laughs> got to protect that butt. Um, so you have more room there, and then of course you you know that can even get you things like Carmen and Batard, which is bike plus plus buddy. So that includes the Lawkeeper with Sidebot. Uh, for for extra mm-hmm, hilarity, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Carmen and Batard are pretty brutal in this mission, I think. Yeah, anytime that you have the, it's basically just having the tool to dig them out efficiently. Yep. Uh, and bikes, bikes get to do it with their with their one regular order. They can be attacking something in your opponent's deployment zone, even through a total null deployment. So, it's definitely worth thinking about. So when it comes to winning this mission. Uh, kind of like Annihilation, you kill more stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? You definitely want to kill those designated targets, because if you don't kill your designated targets, your path to victory means you have to kill both uh, more lieutenants and more army points, which is a lot of work. Right? The, those four points from the designated target are the gimme points. And then, I think you mentioned, um, John, here, that you don't need to kill the lieutenant to get a max four point uh four tournament point win right 
you just need to kill theirs and keep yours alive. And score, or uh, sorry, you don't need to kill theirs. You need to kill more points of them, kill their designated targets, and keep your lieutenant alive. And you're good to go. Yeah, I mean, you don't even need to. Uh, you don't even need to keep yours alive. It's no. not necessary, right? So take take a look at this game. Sure, if you win on army points. Yeah, so this is a game I played against Frank. Sorry, Frank. Um, but uh, <laughs> I won at seven four because I killed more of his stuff, and we both killed each mm-hmm. other's designated targets. So we both got four points base plus three for me murdering more of his toys. I made a I made an effort to go after his lieutenant, but it was a Takio literally sitting at the back table edge in a cloud of eclipse smoke, so I could do absolutely nothing at the end of the game to to get it right. I just didn't have because it was like it was on this big. Um, I don't know if you guys have played on this map, but it was on, it was on a big uh, like fishbowl style uh, Mount Doom map, right? So it was just like parked in the back on the ground floor. I was on like the fifth floor, couldn't get to it. Um, if I walk close to it, it kills whatever I when I have, have moving through there because of its uh, Ferroware, right? So um, mm-hmm. there was just no no real way of getting at it, so I just gave up and didn't do it. I tried. I shot I shot some rockets at it with the crusher. Uh, and then it, it gave me a normal roll um, and threw up uh, mirror ball, which I think is a, was an excellent call by, by uh, Frank. Um, and then I wasn't able to do anything. And it was a very strange, I mean, like, if, if, if you look at the list, it's Did very, you just say that was a normal roll? Yeah, mirror ball versus shooting? No, mirror ball is just eclipse. It works just like eclipse smoke. Oh, does it work that way? I thought, I thought it did. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, I th- I what? thought it was normal. Wait, mirror ball. Okay. That's sure. awesome. Yeah, mirror ball has ammo type eclipse, and ammo type eclipse Grants specifies the, that it's face to face. Fair enough. Nevertheless, wow. it was still it was still the right call in either case. Because it, it had it had a mate, so shooting Toha at it not right was. I mean, really, really, I got I got the best possible scenario where uh, he had a sukiel with mate. I shot at it with a rocket launcher. Um, and I hit it just inside. It was a light rocket launcher, so I hit it just inside of 24. Um, not only did I pop the mate, I actually did wounds to it because he rolled like a one on the armor save. Um, oh. Yeah, so that was pretty awesome for me. Um, yeah, so that was that was pretty great. I took a very bizarre list, uh, which was just Hector and like uh, ridiculous quote-unquote triple, triple Nyoka uh, HRL list, one of which was actually the Tian Gao. <laughs> Uh, and the Crusher and Andromeda did literally all the work. Um, the Crusher killed uh, a ton of stuff. Let's see. Um, oh, Gao, right. Kaltar, Galrail, Makul, Sukiel, Diplomat, and Andromeda only accounted for two reeks. So, pretty nuts. But yeah, I mean, uh, there was in, in this map, because it's a fishbowl style map where there's elevated terrain around the perimeter of the map. Uh, and the other thing that's really annoying is that your designated targets, because of the extended deployment zone, now have to deploy outside of 20 inches, right? Because they're HVTs, they follow the normal mm-hmm. HVTs deployment rules. So it's really, really hard to defend them. So you, you, you're you incentivized to keep them close to you, but you have to push them far out. And that means you have to push stuff out far out to defend them. Um, so in some cases, I'm, I might say just hang them out to dry. If you If you feel confident, like judging by your opponent's deployment of their designated targets, especially because uh, infiltrators are a thing um, and it's really easy to get to something that's 20 inches out from, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's only, I mean, it's only a four inch move away, right? Cause they could deploy on the center line. 
So I think it's really easy. In fact, that's what Frank did. He put like a Libertos right next to my guy and there was absolutely nothing I could do. Um, so yeah, I mean like a, an infiltrator will get there and get one free shot off. Uh, so I think designated targets are just going to, you know, be dead. So just hang him out to dry. Assume you're giving your opponent four points and then kill their two, two designated targets and just really gun down as many of their tools as you can. Uh, if you get a shot at a lieutenant, take it, but I don't think you should expend any resources because you're hanging out something to dry, and that means you're pushing the army points in their favor by by doing that. Especially if, depending on what their lieutenant, like if their lieutenant is an Aguasil and you drop like a tiger soldier on it, that's starting to look iffy. Sure. Yeah, no, it's... Um, so let's think about getting a tire really quick because this is interesting. I think they're actually, it's not, you say it's hard and I think it's not terribly hard. So if you're, if you're bottom of three and you're looking for your Hail Mary, yep. I need to tie this game to get him a butt kicked. Your opponent has killed more army points of yours. Yeah, they've taken our advice to win, which is they kill more army points and they kill the designated targets. Okay. Right. If by this point mm. you at least killed the designated targets. Your Hail Mary is Lieutenant Kill. Sure. Yeah. Right. That's fair. And if, if that means if that means you spend seven orders indirect firing grenades, you do it. Right? You you have that fair path. Point. Fair point. Yep, that's true. Yeah, I didn't I didn't consider it, that when I was writing the show notes. So that's a that's a very good point. Yeah. I guess yeah, the lieutenant it, order become the lieutenant targeting becomes relevant in the shooting for a tie scenario. And if the lieutenant's expensive and it's gonna flip that uh, flip that um, army points. Yeah, kill, the killing right? lieutenant could switch it over to a win. Yeah, right could, there. could get you a full 10, 10 point win, 10 4 win. That's yeah, pretty good. That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, you kill you kill somebody's you know somebody's sixty point combined army you know lieutenant. Yeah, like that's that's the game. GG. Yep. So fair point. Uh, yeah. So the the lieutenant order might the lieutenant might not be important turn one, especially if they castle up, but it's. You know, it's a little awkward still hiding behind a wall that you can't get to. Yeah, but literally in a dumpster. I've done that before. <laughs> right. But when that <laughs> lieutenant the is little like... Lid. A, yeah, I mean, there's, right? there's no like way a, in. You can't throw a grenade in there because the grenade will just bounce off the dumpster. There you go. It's perfectly safe. That's why people use dumpsters all the time for armor. Yep. Um, but if you're talking like somebody's anathematic lieutenant, it's over there, somebody's, you know, big, hefty lieutenant just... Throw everything you can at it. You're already you've already lost on army points. Fine, like just go kill their lieutenant. Fair. That'll get you up to a tie. Fair point. And then the the one to two point loss is pretty much impossible. I think you figured out the one scenario where it happens. Yeah, I mean, basically, if if they ignore your designated targets and they table you, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how this happens, sure. right? Like, how does, if your opponent, like, forgets that the designated targets are there, okay, sure, like, maybe. Um, yeah, and as Indiana or Jones proved, refrigerators them, right? are invincible, so put them on your tables and hide your lieutenant in it. <laughs> Problem solved. Easy. Yeah. So, all right, so I think that, I think that basically sums up these two missions, right? Yeah. Your, 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 your goal, obviously, is to kill stuff and, and to survive, but... There is some interesting nuance in there, especially when we start talking about competitive play. So I think some of the, the big things here, though, is that when you're making a list and you're going to play these missions, especially in a three-point and a three-round scenario, you want to keep some things in mind. 
Um, for me, the big thing is like killing efficiently. You know, in Annihilation, you need to kill as much of the opponent as you can. So if it takes you two orders to kill one thing versus one order to kill another thing, you're looking for the for the to me the the way to get the most point the most points killed of the opponent in the least number of orders possible. And there there are some efficient ways to do that. But peace trading is like peace trading, for example, is eating into your own efficiency. Right? Because you're burning your own future orders right. for the opportunity to to gain some points now. And that to me makes units that that seem really good on paper for this mission. Uh, take Fide and Specular Killers. If I start taking those right away, if I throw a 31 point Specular Killer under the bus, like that's a lot of points in two future orders that I've sacrificed if I do that on turn one. Yeah. To go after you right away. So a lot of these tools that you think of as annihilation tools, as point delete tools, suddenly become a, a little bit of a double edged sword. When you start realizing that the points you lose by using that tool um, are, are working against you just as much as what you killed of your opponent. I mean, there are some scenarios where that stuff, sort of stuff is worth it, but you have to like sort of uh, look at it on a case-by-case scenario. right? So the Fide example is a great one. If you can make its points back in the first turn of going Rambo with it, which is hard because it's basically a Ghulam that fights mm-hmm. real good in close combat, but shoots like a Ghulam. Um, yeah. So, I mean, most people playing these missions will take something that's beefy anyway, so it's hard to kill it with just a rifle. Um, and then you re-impersonate it. That's worthwhile mm-hmm. because it takes at least two orders to get rid of it. Yeah. So, that's a pretty pretty good efficient use of your your resources. You just have to set up the scenario. So, I mean, it might be a, a situation where, like, one fide is worth it, but all three in Assassin Baram is probably not. Right? Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Um, I mean, there's there's a bit of a difference between the two as far as lieutenant killing goes, too. With the first one, you just have to kill a lieutenant. Sure. With the second one, you're trying to kill more lieutenants. So mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for a fide in the first one, just getting that out of the way. As opposed to in the second one, giving up, eh, yeah, yeah, half a dozen, six. Yeah, it's it's jazz. a little it's a little bit tricky, you know. Like I would consider usually my specular killer is is right up against the enemy deployment zone, right? And I think in this mission I would consider maybe not going that far. Right? I mean, maybe not aiming for a turn one kill with her, like sure. a lot of people use impersonators for, but putting her in a position where she's a pain in the ass to dig out. So I'm either eating my opponent's order efficiency by her just sheer existence, or I'm using it for a turn two, turn three uh, pressure piece, mm-hmm. right? Just, just that model's existence that if it takes me three orders to get to the lieutenant and you can see that it's going to take me two or three orders to get to the lieutenant, you will change your, your plan every turn of the game to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. If you can force your and, opponent and into Vander- tunnel vision, that's great. Sorry, Clint, you were saying. Uh, I was just pointing, Vanderbane makes up a good point that you're saving orders with the Fide by not having them run across the true. board. Yep, that's true. Sure, like you're saving orders not moving a Ghulam across the board. 
right? <laughs> I mean, you, you, could, you could make the same thing, like you can make the same argument and say like, well, or a similar argument and say like, well, I was just take a Rajik instead. Similar-ish points, has a Spitfire, yeah. dogged, more likely to kill more things. Uh, so your your return on investment is higher. Um, I think I would be more likely to take, uh, um, uh, what's the Toha uh, impersonator blanking right now? The multi-wound one? Jan, they're both all multi-wound, right? Janstar Jan Star or Q-Tan. Q-Tan, there we go. Yes, thank you. So they're, they're excellent for this, right? Even the combi rifle armed one. Uh, so... Yeah, and so I kind of alluded to talking about the just having the positioning of the speculo, but anything you can do to reduce your opponent's efficiency is also amazing. Yep. Decoy camo is so, great. <laughs> yeah, decoy camo or something that I really wanted to do against Yuzhong, but I just ran out of it, and it might have been too big-brained of a play. Okay. Was I, I wanted to telegraph that I had dart okay. by using... By using a Trinitarian mine layer. Okay. You right? Because the Trinitarian mine layer is hidden deployment with a regular camouflage marker mine. Sure. So then, if I put this mine in a position to put pressure on an objective, you need to you need to root her out, or to prevent or to prevent you from getting to the objective. Sure. So I mean, that was, that's I've... something, but. I don't know if I would have. I mean, what I probably would have done in the situation was walk to within nine inches and then intuitive attack chain rifle you. So sure. I mean, that's that's good for a mine, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that's, that would have been huge, great for a huge, mine. Huge waste. Like, gonna... Huge waste of uh, my resources. <laughs> uh, right. I want to make you. I want to make you. I'm going to make you spend a bunch of orders getting into that position, and then do a. Then you'll do a full order yeah. intuitive attack. Against a mine, and then I'll shoot you in the face with the Trinitarian. Right. It was hiding the, the deployed the mine to begin with. Sure. Right. So that that was kind of that was something I was thinking about, but I didn't think that you would be thinking about Dart, so I didn't want to bother. Yeah, I probably would have just ignored you until you moved. Yeah, exactly. But it is it is stuff that you can remove. It's basically you want to remove your opponent's efficiency. That was something I was thinking about in our game. And like I said, I decided not to do it. Yeah. I mean, Vanderbank uh, <laughs> called it out already, mine layer, right? So, yeah. Anytime you can you can slow your opponent down, make them spend a lot of orders to get not a lot of points is really what I do. And then the other thing is really drawing your opponent out. Overextension is, is super key. You, wanna, you yeah, want to make you them can, do that. If you can bait your opponent into something juicy, like, God forbid you can get to a position where you can be like, this is an obvious lieutenant because my actual lieutenant is in hollow mask. You know, like my like give give your opponent something that's like, oh, that's a juicy two points. I could go. Well, it wouldn't be too hard to go get that. You, you draw them to a position where they overextend or you just in general null deploying with hidden deploy stuff, hidden uh, deployed up the table. Well, I mean, they, they, they know who your lieutenant it. is. There's no secrets, right? So yeah, not an annihilation. In annihilation, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah, that doesn't work in decap. No, it does not. But <laughs> the... <laughs> you want to take this lieutenant over here? That's not your lieutenant. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it could be if you kill the other guy first. Yeah, chain of command I is a liability. Like that idea. In decap. You don't have to keep it. Hmm? Um, is chain of command optional? Yeah. Hmm. Um, 
I do like the idea of bringing hidden deployment and air deployment dudes to give your opponent less targets. Yeah. yeah. Stuff yeah. on the table. I'm a big fan of that. As many points as you can hide off the board, the better. And they're also, the thing with airborne deployment especially, airborne deployment can really punish um, overextension. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you can deploy wherever you want, deploy in the rear, and then pop them with a Spitfire. It's harder so, in this mission, as we already talked about, but it is possible. Yeah. Um, so it, finding ways to draw your opponent, like I said, giving them juicy targets, null deployment in general is going to encourage a lot of people you go against in our tournament to overextend. Well, you don't have to null deploy. You can do what Eric Worth does, which is to set up uh, midline only arrows. Right? Yeah. So we, we've talked about this yeah. before. That's that's like putting a sniper on the right side of your deployment zone, looking at the left table edge and not seeing anything past you know, the mid the midline of the table. So you retain your sniper rifle bonuses. They you know may have a range band that's relevant there. Uh, if they have an HMG, they're probably out of 32 at the diagonal. Um, and uh, so you're mm-hmm. not null. Uh, you're forcing them to overextend because they can't just shuffle around in their deployment zone or near the deployment zone where they're only in order to from retreating back to safety. They have to advance to the midline. Yeah. They have to engage your mine layers. They have to shoot your sniper all the way on the side of the, the table. That takes orders. That encourages overextension with um, with link teams, right? Because they want that bonus to... To, to fight your fight your sniper and now they've overextended and then you bring an eighty troop behind. I should have known. I should have known Eric had the Swiss because he had his uh Black Friar just staring across the table. I should have thought about how that wasn't how he normally deploys things. Yeah right. Yeah Let, exactly. Let's be honest, like he spent eighty seven points setting up some beautiful fucking bait right there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, that was that was, oh, that was beautiful trolling. What did he get with it? What did, what did he shoot down? Gorgos. Half the Gorgos, and he locked down my McCalls, which really limited my options. Okay. It, it, was, it was worth it. It's the reason. If, if that wasn't there, if that had gone down on the first couple of volleys, I would have been in a much better spot. It, yeah, it, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It is where you, when you can force your opponent to stall out, mm-hmm. and you can get them to overextend and then do it. So that's another thing um, when it comes to things like a Swiss guard is waiting for your opponent to be out of position before they reveal. You know, a lot of times people take the first shot they can with a hidden deploy missile launcher or whatever hidden deploy sniper. Yeah, well, he did. Well, this was that sounded, <laughs> that sounded like a good shot. I'd have taken that one. But if you can tell that your opponent is like starting to move up a link, Give them a minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how, let, let them spend four orders on that link first, getting it up the table, and then be like, well, LOL, missile launcher. Like, and, and as they start moving up without triggering AROs, I think people get sloppy. both sloppy and cocky with their yep. movement. Yep. And it's like, excellent. So all your dudes just walked around that corner right there. Uh, missile? Yep. <laughs> you know, even at that point, you, you might not be in plus three range. Still worth it because you're forcing a dodge. If you're. Yeah, if you're on a zero range with your Nocturne for Missile Launcher. Still BS-12. Right, which is, yeah, still BS-12. And I'm rolling against five guys. Like, so, this is going to hurt. Yeah, so <laughs> so I did this once to Isaac, and it was amazing. 
and I haven't been able to replicate it since, but I will at some point. Uh, this is why TO, sorry, hidden deployment uh, snipers are good. I put one on an elevated position, watching an approach out of uh, out of his deployment zone. It was so I put it in the midfield, right, which is generally a weird thing to the TO sniper. So I had I had plunging fire into his deployment zone, but there were some buildings that prevented me from seeing the middle, like the actual middle middle of the table. I was on, I think it was like on the right side of the table or something. So he's pushing a bolt link forward. And um, you know it's it's a normal thing to keep asking your opponent like okay who's the who's the who's the um, link team leader right because you want to you want to just keep them honest about link coherency and all that so I I just sort of kept asking mm -hmm. him and it's like okay so who's the link team leader who's the link team leader and then finally uh, he got the link team leader who was like a bolt spitfire or something past the end of the building and then started a new order with a link team leader out of line of fire of my sniper he said okay new order. I move all my bolts. I said, okay. He's like, and then he's like, any arrows? And I said, yes, I will shoot the guy in the back <laughs> with my TO sniper. <laughs> he was like, no. So, yeah. Right. That, that's yeah, all that so is people, linked real good. Yeah. Once people make their like second order worth of free movement, you know, free movement, yep. then, then they're, they're going to start just like, yeah, this moves here, this moves here, this moves here. Mm -hmm. And then if you yeah, just wait, just wait for that moment. And what that does is like, obviously it kills things, which is the objective of these missions, but you're destroying their order efficiency. Yes. Yes. Yeah, now that, suddenly yeah. they've, yeah, they've maybe lost something in the midfield. Now the midfield is under attack and there are three orders outside their deployment zone. Yeah. Yep, like yep. they, they've committed to this plan. It sucks. Well, because so, anytime you can force them to have to recount their orders, you're winning, right? So in that uh -huh. scenario with Isaac, right, he was like, okay, it's going to take me three, four orders to get the midfield. I'll have, because, uh, you know, that, that gives me like three, four orders to maybe kill something and then reposition and then lock down the midfield with my, because, you know, he wanted to run, roll up there and throw a bunch of drop bears out and get his shotguns around corners and stuff and just get settled in the midfield and be a pain in the ass to dig out. Sure, he wanted to establish himself. Yeah, but I didn't let him do it. So he spent three, four orders moving out ending up in the open against my sniper. Uh, and then I, and then he had to uh, deal with, deal with that. So it took him three orders of uh, dodging bolts around the corner, climbing up. I lost the sniper, but it was totally worth it because his turn was just done. Right. And this is another one of those vanilla versus sectoral things. But when you go against somebody using a, a very offensive link in our sectoral, it is really easy to pull a lot of points out of position. Yes. Because they're moving they're moving that whole link up the table mm -hmm. to go kill stuff. And like suddenly this idea that they thought was perfect and flawless becomes a very bad idea. And they need to reassess everything in life because they've got half their army or a third of their army stuck in the middle of the board, suddenly surrounded by by arrow pieces. Yep. Or just stuff that can chain rifle them or anything. Right, because I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it as a sort of geometric problem, right? As a, if you're all in your deployment zone, you're present, prevent, uh, presenting a unified line, like a front to them. But mm -hmm, as you push mm -hmm. forward, you're exposing more of your flank, so there's just more surface area to pick at you at. Right, so you're you're presenting yeah. a, a larger attack surface. Um, so that's dangerous. Um, you know, I've I've long I've long you know hemmed and hawed about not liking five man links because. It's just so hard to move five models and keep them in like not stupid spots, 
right? You end up you end right. up moving some stuff. You're like, hey, these three bottles are in great spots. They're in this cover, and you've got this fourth like random fusilier. And you're like, what do I do with this guy? I guess I have to keep him coherency. So he's like stuck here. He's behind a building. I guess well, he's fine. That, that's why you were able to just chew through my link in our game. Yeah, exactly. Because that's like the important guys are in the smart spots. Everybody else is just like, I don't know. Do I just stand here? Yeah, you're yeah like, I, I guess, guess. I'm, I'm behind this truck now. And I was like, I see your foot, Blap. Yeah, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is that is the the five model link problem. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> that is like in a few. We'll have to write that down because I think in a future episode when we get to talking about links, that'll be the name of this, the episode. <laughs> exactly. All right. So not only can you disrupt your opponent's efficiency. And both these both of these missions, I think, are efficiency missions. Yes. Um, the other thing you can really do is repair your shit. Mm-hmm. It's something that I I feel like I see so uh, so infrequently. But if I can spend one order to bring back a twenty point model of mine with like sixty five percent efficiency, I just think like even a paramedic this edition is pretty freaking efficient compared to sh- most shooting engagements. Yep. So if I can bring back a model, that is effectively denying my opponent points and scoring me points. In Annihilation, it's doing both. Yes. Or not doing both. It's not killing them, but it's denying, it's lowering the number of points they're scoring by killing, and it's increasing the number of points I have from surviving. Mm-hmm. So like, that is, that's, that's huge. And yeah, so if you if you're playing Hawk Islam, you can just play the like keep shooting me in the face, buddy, game, and just bring back all your big targets. Regeneration is also a great thing to have, right? So, regeneration. You, when I really feel like cheating, is playing these missions with Shazvasti. Yeah, I, it's 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 so dirty. <laughs> it's oh, just man. so much right? camo, like, so much regen. Oh. Holy cool, you killed like all of my stuff while I still have 300 surviving points. So get fucked. Like this, this is is awful. But it, the the re, you know the reason why obviously the Shazvasi rule, their points are still on the board. So mm-hmm. shock weapons are more relevant because of this. Because if your opponent does start bringing things back, it's really eating into your victory points and scoring them points. Is Shazvasi active in in Annihilation? I don't think it is. Is it not? I don't think so. That would be no. It's not. That would be. It's not because what? Frontline That's... has it, but Annihilation does not. That it's, is... about, it's about murdering stuff, right? So. Sure, that's different. Well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. I mean, <laughs> to, to Vanderbane's point, uh, MWI being risky. I mean, you could just not take it. Right, you could choose to go unconscious instead. Why? Why is it risky? Well, because you can't pick it because it's not a second wound, right? And if you, mm-hmm. it depends. Depends on your I mean, force like, why, makeup. Why would I go unconscious? It uh, to drop prone, right? If you're religious, oh, maybe things like that. So I mean, there's there there are a couple edge case scenarios. I don't think it's it's not it's I don't think it's that bad. Because if if something would kill you, I, I guess I don't know. It's tough. If you, if you have a bunch of NWI models and you're relying on them, I would take doctors because you can get fixed up out of NWI, right? So 
yeah thing. like you you get fixed up if you weren't nwi as well right so but paramedics can't fix you out of nwi oh okay that's fair so that's that's oh. relevant um yeah those things are good uh high arm models are good um remotes it takes a lot of, are it great. takes a lot of work to take a remote off the table yeah they're inherently shock immune mm-hmm. one engineering role in the remote is good to go and i think all engineers so the the one funny the one annoying thing i would say about doctoring is that you're kind of reliant on what you're targeting to have a cube if you want to bring it up really with really low risk mm-hmm. where engineering i think all remotes have remote presence not everything with structure has remote not everything presence. with structure has remote sure. presence but all remotes have remote presence and i don't know ob ob's oh, asking like, about paramedic and nw i'm pretty sure i mean in n3 it certainly was the case that paramedic couldn't fix you out of nwi but i'm not sure about n4 now that ob brings it up i don't know clint do you remember I don't know off the top of my head. The Shazvasti embryo state specifically says that they don't count as victory points when they're unconscious. Um, there, there hmm. is something new in addition to the area zone. The area zone. The. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's specifically the a, a Shazvasti rule in the ITS mission pack. So uh, that's that's interesting. Okay, so it's less all-encompassing. Yeah, that's fine. That's it doesn't need to work in annihilation, but yeah, it's the the denying the enemy the points regen fantastic doctors etc. So I think other... paramedic would work on on NWI. It just has to be in an it just says an unconscious state. Right, and NWI is an unconscious state. Okay, fair enough. There we go. It's been so, a while. I'm looking sure. at it now. Yeah, the um, the last little bit is really the the tournament meta, right? So, what do you do if you have one of these missions in a tournament, which is not something that any of us uh, has a whole ton of experience with, apparently. Okay, I've, I've looked specifically now. NWI says decap, that yeah. that meta kit does work, as does regen. Oh, there we go. So you can you can uh, you can regen yourself out of NWI if they're this would be a good a good use of your tool, Clint, where I can type in NWI and regen and see if there's any intersection in the set. Oh, uh, now you're making me do cross ones? Uh yeah, you gotta do a table join, Clint. Come on. I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna start with the singular search first. But yeah. Um Yeah, no cap and regen. I don't think anything has that. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Nothing should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the real statement. <laughs> um, all right. So when when, when you are you're going to go to a tournament, and let's say uh, Annihilation and D or one of the other are in there, how is that going to affect the way you approach that tournament and your list building? Well, it, dep- right? it depends. It depends I, very much what else is in there, uh, in the tournament lineup. Sure. I guess. I feel like a lot of people by default treat it as a buffer. In my experience, they're like, oh, Annihilation is here. I don't even have to think about what my list is going to be because I'm building my two lists for all the other scenarios, and I'll just pick whichever one murders the most face when I'm there. 
Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the throwaway scenario. You're like, yeah, any of my lists can do this. I just need to play good. Right. But I think that's a little bit of a trap because of these points. Right. If if you don't if you don't have a doctor or engineer in a list, then you've already given up the your entire uh, entire avenue of scoring points. But I mean, I, I would counter that with if you took if if like another mission has you take a doctor and engineer for classifieds, for example, countermeasures are highly classified. You might want to make that a yeah. little extra killy because you want that for countermeasures and cl- highly classified anyway to clear the way for your specialists. So in that case, right, mm-hmm. and then especially if you have if you have uh, engineers, you want to target for test run. So I think you can find you can find the synergy, right? It really depends on um, what you build your lists, right? So this this sort of goes into the am I building my lists to cover missions, right? So if I have a, a five mission tournament, am I doing a three two mission split in terms of my two list coverage, or am I doing a stylistic split like close in tables, long range tables? Sure, sure. And it becomes, I think, more difficult if you're doing that stylistic split. Uh, yes and no. I mean, again, it, it really depends. Yeah. Um, so the other thing to think about is that that mission timing, like we talked about. Yeah. Because it can, it, this is a summer, uh, Annihilation is a good submarine mission. Yep. It, it, is, it is not a terrible mission to lose at, and you can score a fair number of points while losing. Mm-hmm. You can theoretically score, was it four objective points? Or in, like, more realistically, three objective points were surviving, and then two for killing the enemy lieutenant. Mm-hmm. So you could have a six point, a six objective point loss in this mission, I think. Oh, no, that would still be a tie. No, it would be a five objective point loss to a six point win. So you can still um, get that high scoring loss to come back with later. And so maybe planning around that, like having a plan for getting there, for for getting just to that stage. I mean, I don't I don't know if you can ever realistically plan for that, right? Like that's that's a pretty pretty delicate tightrope situation to walk. Well, yeah. Sorry, I guess I don't mean like plans. It's it's more the you can plan B for it. <laughs> sure, sure. Right. Like don't 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 set yourself up. Don't throw the game because you're losing. Like instead, That's try to fair. set yourself up for a submarine later in the event. Yes, I think it would be reasonable to do something like uh, use it as your recent mission, right? So if it's not the first mission, or or if it's like the second mission in the tournament lineup, you can use it as a recent mission because it's not complicated in the sense that like there's not a lot of objectives and timing to juggle. You just sort of say, okay, don't overextend, pick off targets of opportunity, and just sort of like get your head back into the game and get yourself focused on the objectives again. Because sometimes if you come off mm-hmm. like a really bad, you know, first first game loss off like say power uh, power pack or something, you could just be like really demoralized. You're like, I don't know, I'll just I'll just move my link into the midfield and hope for, for the best. I've got chain rifles in there. What could go wrong, right? I've I've been that guy in tournaments before where you just kind of like ah, I'm just here to drink beer now because I lost my first round. Um, right. So, right. So just you can use it as a reset mission. I mean, that might be a, something to consider when we're planning the next uh, Rose City raid lineup. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and you know that's, uh, this is another thing that Vanderbilt brings up, which is an excellent point, which is like you start the game with like four points, or whatever it is, because you have surviving points on the table. So those are your points to lose. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a yeah. good mental exercise to put yourself through. Anytime you expose something, you could lose it to a crit or a bad face to face or a surprise hidden deployment thing. Um, you know, we've all had that. Th- you know, from downtown pistol shot on a neg like neg nine, right? And you whiff everything, and the Morlock crits you. 
or something. And you're just like, well, I was just thinking poo. about that Morlock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was against my Drews. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad to have psychically scar- psychically scarred you with my Morlocks. No, Morlocks kill things with pistols. It wasn't even an assault pistol, I don't think. Yeah. So, yeah, that's actually a really interesting point that you start off with four points. So you're scoring points by killing your, by keeping your guys alive. I don't know. I really feel like doctors, engineers, and paramedics in these missions, both these missions, are pretty damn clutch. Yeah, the I hate Doctor Telha's my main, right? So yeah, I hate doctors slash paramedics in those one because their fizz is always garbage. Right. Two, because most of the things you like, the things you want to bring back up to do work, their main profile is gone forever. There's no way to get it back. Sure. Um, sure. But like, so you okay? Let's take their fizz is garbage argument, right? Let's say your fizz ten. That's which pretty is common. Yep. Pretty common and so on. Um, if you can get into base combat and paramedic someone in one order, a fifty percent chance to bring back. Oh, no, a McCool, right? A 13-point model. Oh, if it's is... a McCool, it'll be a 13 fizz, but... Okay, well, something cheap, right? Sure. You're still talking a 50% chance where most... I feel like a lot of times a good shooting engagement, you have like a 40% chance of success anyways. Sure, sure. Right, so when you just start, when you're just looking at um, how many points you're either saving or killing for the orders you spend... Sure. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll turn that around, right? though, right? So Taha is probably the faction with the most access to multi-wound models, right? For cheap. Yep. At least, at least it's it's among the top three. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, so, okay. so I mean, yeah. you know, we, we could we could we could use your tool to do a count or whatever. But anyway, um, <laughs> given given that given that statement, right, uh, and the fact that we we're trying to not overextend, if you start taking losses that that blow up your symbiote armor, retreat. Right. So, yeah. so if you're in the position where you've taken the hit, um, it may be better to say like, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, discretion is a better part of valor. I'm going to back off now. Uh, and especially because those are those four points, like we, you know, we talked about before you were losing, um, which is hard to do. It's not always possible, right? Like sometimes you're just like, well, my, my, my spitfire is the only way I'm going to kill this thing. And that's going to do the stuff. So I got to shoot you and all right, there we go. Um, so, yeah. I mean, it's 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 tough to do in in game for sure because you might get tunnel vision or you might be stuck between a rock and a hard place. But think about walking away when you have one point, one one hit, point, well, one wound remaining. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was gonna say, and another another interesting thought about uh, annihilation specifically and points and efficiency is the threshold between um, the tiers. Once you have killed one hundred and fifty points of your opponent. You can stop. <laughs> you know, getting up to that two hundred and getting up to that two hundred and fifty point threshold—that's a huge threshold to meet, and it only scores you one more objective point. Yep. Once you killed half of them, you're done. Now you just need to keep um, over half of your army alive, and you've got six objective points right there. Mm-hmm. So those are. That's that's a big deal, and that to me is also again why it's really important to keep keep track of your own points and have doctors and paramedics, because the difference between having 
150 points of model surviving and having 151 points of model surviving is two objective points. That's a map, for stair step functions. Yeah, that's <laughs> they're right, but like that's a massive that's a massive swing. Yeah. And that's going to affect your that's going to affect your standing throughout the entire tournament. So, when when list building for this like Sure, it can be a quote easy mission to list build for because you're just going to take the killiest of your other lists. But if one of those lists has a doctor and the other one doesn't, think about the list with the doctor and it being the uh, being the mission you take. Yeah, it's also harder to really push an alpha strike these days. I think with all the show the changes to shotguns, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So especially when you're fighting in the midfield, a lot of stuff is shotguns. Um, so trading is going to happen a lot more often. Um, right. Damn everything has a freaking template. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Right. So like, uh, we were just talking about how I, th I feel like the SAS got a little nerfed, um, because they lost access to rifles. There's no rifle on any of their profiles. Um, and now they're stuck with chain mm. rifles and, or light shotguns, or I think there's a boarding shotgun profile too. Um, but in order to use leverage those range bands uh, appropriately and get the maximum benefit out of it, you're exposing yourself to templates in return. Um, so you're either taking a shot on an eight because presumably you're shooting at them on your zero range band when they're in cover, um, and that's kind of poopy on two dice, even if they're sure. you know, only one dice shooting back at you. So um, it's tough. It's tough to think about, um, and it's one wound model. It's expensive. It's 21 points. Um, Uxia is even an even better example, right? To really leverage that burst five assault pistol, you want to be an eight, but that means you're taking a template. She has like no armor, so yeah, yeah. It's a it's 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 a it's a tough thing to do. Um, so you really want to like I think uh, it would be fine to do things like take uh, infiltrators with rifles or eighty troops with rifles. Some form of rifle would be fine. Um, and just playing playing angles. Angles are very important in both of these missions because you want to stay out of template range to avoid the trade, right? So that's that's a lot. Of, like yeah. In terms of when you're selecting um, uh, weapon and troop profiles, uh, think carefully about uh, like what you're going to do with it and how you're going to position that troop as you move it around the table. Yeah. Well, great. Yeah, I think you know, like I said, I think both these missions appear very straightforward and. When you're early in your your journey of learning to win games of infinity, they can be easy to dismiss as basic scenarios. But there's actually a lot of interesting play and counterplay. Uh, again, especially in tournaments, when you start talking about your cumulative score and annihilation, like annihilation is a very big deal for that cumulative score. So they all have a little bit of interesting counterplay. Don't don't think it's just going to be easy because somebody who's put even a little bit more thought into it. Somebody who has even just listened to this episode and you haven't is going to come out ahead, right? That was They're a weird way to phrase that. Hey, listeners who are listening to this, hey, listen, if you didn't yeah. listen to this, the other I, guy would have won. That's why I slowed down while I was saying it because it was starting to sound really stupid. Uh, uh, thank that, you for that, calling that out and drawing attention beer. to it. <laughs> that hey, you po posted that picture of me, so I gotta, I gotta get back into something. <laughs> I appreciate it. So all of you people out there are gonna be slightly better than somebody else. Congratulations for being better. You're already better for listening to the show. So, <laughs> um, John, do we have we have drawings? I just saw the note. 
Uh, we, no drawings not, to draw? Not, not today. Uh, so no, uh, no drawings. Soon, soon we'll have uh, some more drawings for uh, Board and Brew Gaming in Texas, thanks to the wonderful PJ. Uh, we're just sort of waiting for their web store to get set up and all the logistics to get sorted out. So I'll come to a show soon. I'll give you more details when that happens. Um, but yeah, thanks for awesome sponsors and all. I, I guess um, one thing that would be interesting to talk about maybe for a future episode is like oh, yeah. what, because um, we've talked a lot about it now in the past couple, especially the uh, ITS mission um, wrap-ups or whatever you want to call them, the, the mission discussions that we've had over the past couple of months. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the word, right? Episodes. That's that's the thing we do. Um, <laughs> is is to talk about uh, stages of development as an Infinity player. Um, you know, mm. what are the big hurdles that we've experienced? Uh, sort of getting into the game. Uh, I think we'll. It'll be interesting to see what the differences look like between us. Um, especially, I think a lot of it is like parent faction dependent. Um, some mm-hmm. factions scale very linearly with the player as they develop. Some some factions are very um, plateau heavy, right? There's a lot of stair step functions in there, where you're like really up against a hard you know hard wall in your development, and then all of a sudden something clicks and you start playing well again. Um, moving laterally, uh, figuring out timing and tempo and pacing and all that kind of stuff, and just making sure that um, you know not to overextend when it's okay to overextend. So there's a lot of a lot of detail in there that would be I think fun to talk about uh, as a future episode. So if you have any thoughts on that and you want to talk to us more about that, please let us know if that's an episode that's interesting to you. Because um, you know part of, part of this whole endeavor is to uh, be a, a conversation venue for the community, right? So if you have some stuff you want to talk about, you want to come on the show, or you want to just send in questions, please do that. Yeah, be sure to write into mailbag at late night wargames.com. That's the thing you uh, can do. John tested it with me. It still works. <laughs> we, which, which means we've gotten <laughs> a big fat zero <laughs> emails to that address so far, Aww. other than my tap tap. Does this thing on? Um, yeah, no, it works. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to late night war games. Late on is done. All right. So uh, just a reminder, if you want to let us know how you're doing with coordinated orders, uh, that's this month's Bromat Academy mission. So go check out bromatacademy.com for all the details on that. It's also a painting competition for heavy infantry there. Uh, we're putting out articles every Monday on uh, Lumbering Sprocket, thanks to the wonderful Than, who has been uh, very prolifically writing and giving me a nice stockpile of articles to post. Um, we've also got Infinity Academy. I'll be writing an article on list building soon. For, uh, for missions, right? That was, uh, we at some point a while ago, uh, we sent out a survey about what people wanted to see and hacking and camouflage were the top two requests. The next uh, the next request was list building for missions. So that that's in my my Google Docs right now and I'm, I'm typing it away. Uh, hopefully that will be, I'll be done soon and I can post it uh, maybe probably next month at this rate. So I don't want to over promise. Um, let's see what <laughs> else. Uh, you can join us every Tuesday night here at 8.30 Pacific. Uh, where we talk about uh, Infinity, Heavy Gear, soon to do some dystopian wars and just general infin- uh, you know, miniature wargaming in general, some Netrunner thrown in there. Uh, you can join Obi at the same time on Mondays for his Joy of Green Stuff show, which is all about sculpting. So if you want to learn about that and have some good Asmir, as Adam likes to call it, content, you can do that thing. Uh, Clint here. Is that not what the, what the young kids call it? That is not what the young kids call it. <laughs> it is not <laughs> but it's okay clint uh you want to tell us about tabletop throwdown yeah we do that on sundays uh nine times out of ten and nine 
10 the time is kind of in flux right now but we get we get a couple people to play a game and we heckle them without them knowing it uh and you get to listen to the heckling it's great <laughs> yep so yeah if you guys want to get a reminder so that you know when they have gone live uh just subscribe to our channel Yep. Here at the Dicified Live. Follow follow the channel and, or subscribe if you want to throw us dollars. That's that's good too. Yeah, follow it and shh, you have to subscribe. Okay, yeah, you only you only get notifications <laughs> if you subscribe. That's how this works, right? Um let's yeah, see. right. This um, Twitch thing. Yeah. Uh thank you to all of our wonderful uh late night war gamers on Patreon who support the show. Uh and our, our sponsors, DreamPod 9, Mythic Games, uh Corvus Belly, and uh soon to be Board and Brew once they uh get their website up. Uh, next episode, we're having an Infinity Q&A with Melanie and Aaron. They're coming on. I think it'll be our first simultaneous guest episode, so that'll be fun. And um, yeah, they're they're both uh, they both claim to be uh, relatively new players, although their battle reports uh, will indicate otherwise. So it should be a really great, um, <laughs> really great episode of just them asking us questions, us asking them questions, and sort of like a free form uh, back and forth interview episode uh, going both ways. So. First time we've done something like that. If you want to uh, tune in for that, that'd be cool. If you want to write in actually, questions, it's in... Oh. what's up? What well, it say? fits in nicely with our discussion of stages of development. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so maybe we'll split. This will be the first episode in that vein. Um, but yeah. So if you have any questions for us or for them as uh, new players uh, in in the game, please write into mailbag at, uh, at latenightwargames.com, which is where you can find all our episodes too. Um, and we'll be sure to get it on the show. You should, you should, instead of a Q and A, you should do a Q and Q, where they ask you a question and then you ask them a question, right? And then nobody, nobody... answers anything. All right, Perfect. all right, Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and even get your podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five star rating on iTunes and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. All of this stuff helps us bring you the best content that we can. And it, it validates our existence and it buys a couple toys and This some is very gear. important. The most important thing is my ego. Yes, yes. That is absolutely true. Which is now buoyed the by the fact that thing. we've broken your losing streak. Yeah, I know, right? Like, no, I'm basically it's off about it. Don, you should just quit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. It, actually, what, what really buoyed my ego is getting cold call by publishers that want us to talk about their content. So, yay, people listen to us. Yay. I don't know why or how. I think we're the only people doing a live stream based on miniature war games. So the market is perfect for us to be number ones. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, for a very fun episode and thank you again to clint for joining us and for doing all the awesome work that he and tim do on the tabletop throwdown channel go hang out with them go heckle the players with them it's a great time um i'm probably going to be on there in a couple weeks we're discussing the details maybe we'll do some faction focused stuff but that's all still being planned out so uh yeah see That'll you guys good. around take care have a good night bye uh, 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 uh. Won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.